um, is such a blessing. If Ruby's been a blessing to you, would you just raise your hand? There'd be many more people who aren't here. Ruby, you are a blessing beyond the words that we can share. And I hope today you are spoilt. Um, Joe, it's your birthday tomorrow. Correct? 16? It's a big deal. I'm so glad you come to this church. You don't have to. No one makes you, but you do. I'm so glad that we've gotten to know you and to meet you, and I'm so glad you're my son's friend. And my daughter would say you're her friend too. (laughs) And I just want to tell you that God loves you more than you can realize, more than you'll ever realize you are loved. I know you've got a dad that loves you deeply and profoundly, and I'm glad but you've got another Father in Heaven who loves you way more. And I'm glad you're here. Um, and I was thinking about King's Cross this morning. Being at a church conference, you get asked this one question a lot, not so much by the resounders, because they don't care, but, but more <laughs> by the non-resounders. You'll know now, more than you people looking in or someone from another church just checking it out. The first question, kind of the dating question, uh, like if you meet a person, you say, what do you do? Um, that's kind of like the first dating question. The first dating question amongst pastors is, how big is your church? And it's, you know, it's, uh, or you, you try and answer the question uh, as best you can. Uh, numbers don't reflect people, the, the people, the personalities. But I was thinking about it, I was like, I was thinking about it this morning going, God, I hope it's not for my own self that I think this. There's like kind of a protective thing. But, but I don't have a clue why all of Perth doesn't show up on a Sunday. Do they know who's in that room? Do they, do they know that Steve and Charlotte are there every week? And these are people that you'd just be privileged to bump into. Do they know that they could bump into them every week? Do they know that Caleb and Haley are there every week? If they wanted to bump into them, they could every week. Do they know that Steph and Tilly are there every week? They could hold baby Ruth most weeks if they could get past me. (laughs) I've missed baby Ruth so much this week. But do they know that? Do they know that Liesl's here? Do they know that the worship is going to be about Jesus? Guaranteed, 100%. Whether you like the song or not, it doesn't matter. It's going to be about Jesus. Guaranteed. It's going to make us look up at God guaranteed 100% not 99% of the time 100% of the time the worship songs are well picked and will help us look up to God do they know that do they know that someone's going to read out of the Bible and do they know that there's going to be a room full of people who'd love to pray for each other love to care for each other love to remind each other about Jesus and I, and I just sat there kind of going God I don't know why why the room just why everyone in Perth doesn't just come you must be doing something it must be your way because I can't understand it any other way, because there's no other room I would rather be in than with these people. The King's Cross, you just are lovely. I know in heaven, I don't think there's something called King's Cross, sadly. It's a way that we get by and understand ourselves. But I do just want to say you're lovely. It's a joy and a relief. And I find it quite insulting when people say, how big is your church? Because... Not because the answer 5 or 5,000 means anything, but because the faces aren't being asked about. I wish someone would say, tell me about some of the people who are in your church. I'll tell you about them. Listen to this story. Listen to how these people learn to trust God. 
Listen to the suffering this person went to and saw the faithfulness of God. Listen to the blessing this person experienced that knocked their socks off. Anyway, let's get to the text. Father God, help us this morning, I pray, Luke, with this Luke text. Help us by the Holy Spirit, as Rob prayed in worship, that we would be able to grasp and understand. Please, Holy Spirit, that you'd work upon our hearts, melt our hearts. Teach us in your precious name. Amen. Who of you ever wonder, maybe not out loud, because you're probably too nervous to do it, if God knows what he's doing? <laughs> would you raise your hand? We'll just ask God to turn a blind eye for a second. Raise your hand if you ever think, feel, does God know what he's doing? Some of you are raising hands by like scratching your ear. <laughs> okay, so let's just assume that something happens in our life and we go like, I don't know. I got, I got a text from someone in the last 24 hours who's going through suffering. And, try, and maybe I replied badly, I'm not sure, but try to help them uh, see the goodness of God uh, to them, how, how, how they can trust in Jesus, how maybe none of us can understand, but Jesus can, how he's there, they're not alone. And their, their response is kind of, oh, I'm not sure I've, I see that in my life. In other words, theologically, I can't disagree with you, Mark, and that may be good and well for you, but that's not true for me. Any of you ever felt that before? I have. We get it. What are some of the things, you can speak on behalf of a friend if you like, what are some of the things that uh, have made you go, does God know what he's doing? Does God remember my address? Would you mind sh just shouting a few out? Again, you can speak for a friend. Don't, don't literally speak on behalf of someone else in this room. I just mean, I just mean this happened, just a funny story. One of the books Ray Ortland has written is, uh, is about porn and just the end of porn for guys. And I think the tagline is something like uh, men of integrity in a world of nobility. And he just has this idea of like Christian men just can, can decide to no longer deal with porn for the sake of the glory of Jesus, an idea I agree with. But um, so, so one of the things that RHC, this church, does is they hand out books. If every time they recommend a book, they make sure there's a hard copy there and then someone in, in the group can grab it. So it's the first night and a lot of other churches have come. The rest of the weekend is just resound stuff, but this one night is a big celebration for churches in Singapore that they can come to. So the room has hundreds of people in it, and the first book they decide to give away for whatever reason is the porn book. And so they hold it up, and they just go, who would like this? And you're just like, no one's going to put their hand up and go, thank you, this is exactly what I've been looking for. And uh, so anyway, it took a little while. Eventually someone did, on behalf of a friend, grab the book. But... Um, what are some of the things in your life that have caused you to go, does God know what he's doing? Where is he? Or Death, in Death in the family. Thanks. Visas. Sorry? Visas. Visas. Oh, gee. <laughs> Visa departments definitely come from hell. <laughs> they will not be in heaven. You will not need a visa to go to any different part of heaven you want to go to. That's for sure. That is not heavenly. Loneliness. Loneliness. Sickness. Natural disasters. Anything else? Depression. Depression. COVID. COVID. <laughs> Amen. COVID, the handling of COVID. Corruption. Corruption. The handling of COVID. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> just kidding. I take it back. Delete that off the tape. We, there are times we wonder where's God? What's He doing? Is He powerful? What's happening? What we're really wondering is, why are we not in control? 
why are we why why don't we have control over this why, why won't god give us what we want why would because we would stop this we wouldn't allow this we wouldn't ask for this we wouldn't choose this so so why is god letting this happen you know you know what i mean it's really a it's really a confrontation that this is beyond us it's a beyond, it's something beyond our abilities and our limits the, the problem the, re, the reason we wouldn't even wonder about where god is is that if we had control over our lives and, and we avoided all that suffering then we, we would probably also avoid thinking too much about God, right? If I could avoid sickness, then I, I don't know that I would avoid sickness by showing gratitude to God. Maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't, who knows? Maybe I'd just be, I mean, I'm avoiding sickness pretty well at the moment. I'm not sure that in the last week I've gone, God, thank you so much for giving me the ability to avoid sickness. But I kind of reached the end of my limits and then I'm like, where is God? Where's he been? He's letting me down. What's going on? Here's a story of the greatest disappointment and letdown in history. The only person who should have never, ever, ever, ever been let down that God should have come through for is Jesus. And God doesn't. And that's part of God's plan. The question really is, is God sovereign? Can, is God in charge? Who, who's in charge here? Does the devil win in the end? Who wins in the end? Is it up for grabs? Is the story being written? What, what's, and that's something we really have to work through. Then there's a few options. The one option is that the, the devil wins, that Satan has a shot at this. Then we need to be really worried because we're not really sure what's going to go on. The other option is that uh, Jesus, God is sovereign and God is sovereign in, sovereignly in control and that God wins. And then while we're in the suffering and we're a bit confused about what's going on, it's okay because we can look out and see, well, God wins, God's in control. I don't understand this, but I know that He's good. I know that He's faithful. I know that He will work it to, to good for those who love Him and seek to do His will. I've got to cling on to Him. I don't have to like it. I don't have to enjoy it, but I can trust Him. There's hope. Right? And we come to a text and uh, I don't... All, you know, we, we face things, but the cosmic, for, all the cosmic forces, the cosmic battles, like, you know those war movies, uh, like, more like um, Star Wars movies, is like there's a cosmic battle, the battle to end all battles. It's not the battle on earth. It's not even the battle in the galaxy. It's the battle for everything. I don't know what, I, I'm not good with space. What goes beyond a galaxy? A universe. Is there something beyond a universe? Is that it? That's everything, right? Everything is Okay. <laughs> It's the battle of the universe. This is it. The battle to end all battles. That's what, fiction, uh, that's what sci-fi can do for us. It takes us to a universe battle. This is it. You and I have not had the battle of the cosmic forces, good and evil, the universal battle, the one battle that's going to define it all, being focused on your life and my life. We haven't faced it. As important as I feel I am, and as important as Western society has told me I am, and it does, every single day I'm told that I am amazing, the center of the world, and I should do things my way. My truth is my truth. Uh, whatever feels right is right for me. It may not be for you. I'm that important. The scripture has this funny story where the demons speak. There's not a lot of verses where demons speak, but there's a verse where the demons speak. And they go... Uh, who is it they know? Jesus we know? Or, G Paul we've, we've, we know. 
whatever we've heard about, this in Acts, you can go correct me on the names, but the point is this, this is what happens. This guy we know, this guy we've heard about, you never heard of you. <laughs> it's this person who thinks they're super important, they're, they're, like, uh, they're exerting this powerful ministry. The demons go, we don't even know who you are. You haven't even registered in our, in our world. When we like sit down and have a strategic meeting of who we're going to go after, Paul we've mentioned. Paul we've gone after. Paul we've got a strategy for, ending his ministry. Peter, we try to take down. And if it wasn't for Jesus who said he was going to pray for him and did pray for him and stood in the gap, we had him. We had him. And then Jesus prayed for him and rescued him. And Peter didn't even know it. Peter was sleeping at the time. There's these other guys that we've heard about and we're not really sure what we're going to do with them. You haven't even yet featured. On the whiteboard of hell, your name isn't shown up. MIB, the, who's wanted? You're not wanted. We can, you, your power is nothing. You're a nobody. Mark, in the cosmic battle, is a nobody. In terms of evil that has to wage itself against me. Jesus is the everybody. The battle against Christ to, to uh, get him out the way, because if, if, if uh, Satan can get him to stumble in any sort of way, then uh, he wins everything. And it looks like he's found a way to not only get him to stumble or to be tempted, but to get killed. <laughs> it's, it's like too good to be true. Oh my gosh. So Jesus finds himself in this trial, and, and for those of you who are visiting or new with us, we've worked up to this way for months and months and months and weeks and weeks, and so we, we're just going, so I'm sorry I'm not giving you the backstory. We kind of, you kind of arrived at the third or fourth movie in. Um, but at the beginning of this trial, they say this, and they began to accuse him, saying, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar. What a lie. Just to be clear here, they're lying about Jesus. They're not even trying him on truth. Here, these are the re like religious leaders, God's people, saying, uh, he's told us that we are not allowed to give tribute to your leader. What are you going to do? Let's just go a little bit back to when they tried Jesus about that because they were the ones who taught not to give tribute to Jesus. They were the ones who said Rome is a problem and God is going to destroy Rome on our behalf. They were the ones teaching that to their people. Then they come and try Jesus. Uh, go back just a few pages to Luke 20, 25. They try him, and they, they uh, say, what should we do with Caesar? And Jesus said, he, he takes this coin, and he goes, who's, who's on the coin? And they say, it's Caesar. Jesus says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Did he say, don't pay tribute to Caesar? Did he say, don't be a good citizen under Caesar's authority? Did he? No. In, in some sort of a political sense, in some sort of an economic sense, in some sort of a reality of who's in charge of this jurisdiction at the moment, you are a citizen under Caesar. And that coin has his face on it. You should uh, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But his point is this, his bigger point is he lifts the heads to say, but you know what you are? Who's, you're a coin too. And whose image do you bear? Well, the Bible says, Genesis, you, that you bear God's image. 
So if you're going to give taxes to Caesar because his face is on the coin, then you give yourself to God because he, you are his image bearer. So they stand there and say, he tells us that we should be terrible citizens of Caesar. What are you going to do about that? And Pilate says, Pilate hates the Jews. Pilate's not interested in this. Pilate would rather not be a Pilate is a, a, a famous warrior, soldier. He lives with luxury. He likes to go to the Olympic Games. He lives a life of pleasure and luxury. And eat, he likes to eat Roman food. He, now he has to sit with these Jews, hearing their miserable story about this useless guy who's not even defending himself. Seems very uh, weak. And, you know, he just doesn't have time for this. Are, are, you, are you this troublemaker they're talking about? And he says, look, man, I just find no, I find no fault with this guy. I couldn't be bothered. And then he realizes, well, he's a Galilean. I can pass this off to Herod, Herod the Great's son. I can pass this off to him and, and their enemies. So what do you do with the problem? You give it to someone else. Who of you here is in a managerial position? <laughs> what do you do with the problem? Delegate. <laughs> Hand pass, yeah. <laughs> so he does that. Off to Herod goes Jesus. Jesus goes and stands before Herod. Herod, on the other hand, has been really excited to see Jesus because he's heard that this guy does miracles. Now Herod is, is a very wicked man. He's the guy who beheaded John the Baptist for the sake of his wife, even though he loved John the Baptist, or he was at least curious about him. But then his wife did this little tricky thing and, and wanted John the Baptist's head on a plate as some sort of a gift to herself. And Herod did it, and he's a horrible... And now he's curious about Jesus. He does some miracles. And we find here that Herod says, I want to see him do something. Show me this witchcraft. He's got no faith that this is God's man. He's not excited about hearing the gospel. He just wants to see a miracle. You know that there's a bunch of Herods in churches? You know there's a Herod that lives in my heart? I've been to many places where there's... Uh, through the course of Christian history, I've been lived in Christian history for 42 years. It's a lot longer than that, but I've lived in Christian history for 42 years. I've seen some things already. I've lived on the end of the Jesus People movement, where, where there were some, some still quite uh, a lot of charismatic signs and wonders kind of happening regularly. Um, they don't happen that regularly today in, in all circles. And they're going, there's going to be another renewal probably in my lifetime where some hectic things happen and it's going to be exciting and it's going to be chaotic and it's going to, some of the stuff we're going to love and some of the stuff we're going to be like, oh no, is that really God? It's a little bit... Uh. But I, I, I've seen the Herod inside of me. Oh, do we really have to sing? I mean, I guess if the singing is going to be, lead to like an anointing and then stuff's going to happen, I'm in. But they're just a gateway. Is that guy, oh no, hold on, it looks like he really does want to preach. Oh no, so we're not doing the miracles today. <laughs> Are we doing them afterwards? Okay, I can put up with the preaching. It's just the Herod in me going, I don't want to hear the truth, I just want to see God do something. Yeah. Please don't hear any cynicism in that. I've seen God do amazing things that are impossible to describe and I'm grateful to God for them. I'm just saying there's a Herod in me that's, cu- that's kind of like, God, show me stuff, entertain me. Here it's Jesus entertain me and Jesus does nothing. Here I teach, I'll tell you something about Jesus. I, I, I'm still learning so much. I've learned so much in the last few days, but I'll tell you something I have learned. Jesus will often do something for you when you no longer need it. 
when you need it done, he's not going to do it. He's not a show pony. When you no longer need it, he'll often provide it. Because Jesus loves to bless, he loves to give, he loves to sort out for us. But he, he also loves to, you know, God, know God before me. He also loves to show us that we need nothing but himself. And so when there's a thing, I need a wife. Jesus, if you will give me a wife, my life will be fulfilled. I'll be satisfied. I'll have everything I need. No, I'm not so sure, Mark. Maybe we should wait on that a little bit. You get to a point where, Mark, are you, do you want to be married? Ah, oh, well, I would like to, but I'm, I, don't, I realize I no longer need a wife. Woof. Here's one for you. Ah, huh, aren't you wonderful? What a blessing you are. I need that job. I have to get a job. I need that promotion. That extra money will help me to do it. Why is it so hard? Oh, I can trust God. I can be content. I actually don't need that. Oh yeah, you're ready here. Have that promotion. It's all yours. Now, it's not a tricky way to get stuff from Jesus. <laughs> don't, don't mishear what I'm saying. I'm just saying you find with Jesus, you often get a lot of things when you no longer need them. Herod needs to see a miracle. He wants to be entertained. He's not going to be. The sick people, the blind people sitting on the side of the road, Jesus gives them more than they ever desired. Herod can find no fault in him and passes him back on to Pilate. But in that, they find a friendship around Jesus. Jesus makes Herod and Pilate friends. Not because they love Jesus, like Jesus has made you and I friends because we love Jesus. You and I probably wouldn't be friends without Jesus. Just think about that for a second. I just, can I just pause? Because you're lovely people. But just, just, let's just pause and think about that for a second. Izzy, I don't know what's going through your curious mind, but um, I'm probably, yeah. You and I might get along for a little while, and there might be some things that we get on about, but at some point we'd get over each other. Probably. Guess, you know. Jesus brings us together, and our love for Jesus brings us together in a way that we never get over each other. There may be some natural ways in which we stand on each other's toes or offend each other or disrupt each other's comfort or whatever. But because of our love for Jesus, we're brought together in a way that we actually grow in our love and our unity and our, our kind of commonality. That Jesus takes enemies and makes them deep and profound friends. And it makes, doesn't even have to make sense. You don't have to be the same generation. You don't have to be the same skin color. You don't have to be the same education, have the same level of education. You don't have to have the same financial. Uh, you can be a rich person and a poor person and a this color person, that color person, an uneducated person, an educated person, and you're sitting down deeply in love with each other through Jesus Christ. And the world can't understand that. Or you can also come around uh, and form a love for each other through a hatred of Jesus. Or through a disinterest in Jesus, as Pilate inherited. And so Pilate tries him again. And Pilate tries three times to say, I can't do, I can't do anything with this. This guy's he's not guilty. He's not guilty of anything. And Herod's found nothing. There's nothing we can do. He's an innocent man. You know what I'll do? I'll just flog him. I'll, just, I'll hit him a little bit for you on your behalf. That'll learn him. And then we'll release him. Now I just want to pause in the story for a minute. Just pause here. Um, 
Who's comfortable to be on stage and be hated? <laughs> Seriously, just for a little bit. Who's comfortable with just... Not, we're not really going to hate you, but you're going to have to be the picture of something that, that might be. Thank you. You were here last week as well, so I appreciate it. Okay. So, um, Nathan... Oh, there we go. Just a little bit more. Nathan has a wife named Ruby, whose birthday it is today. Um, but let's just go through this a little bit. Your name is going to be Barabbas. Okay? And Tilly and Steph are in the back there, and they have a baby named Ruth. They're a young family. And Barabbas, through some insurrection and uh, murderous heart, kills Tilly. Now, if we had more time in the sermon, if this was my plan, but we don't have enough time, you would, I was going to ask those who die to just uh, lie down dead um, somewhere, but you don't have to worry. Maybe I'll just pe- look, pick some of you who look sleepy, and then you can just fall asleep. <laughs> T- Tilly's gone. Imagine Tilly dead. But in all seriousness, I mean, Steph's got to figure out what she's going to do. Does she have to go back to working now? Does she live with her parents? Does she finish fixing their house? Ruby is not going to grow up with her own dad. She might grow up with her dad, but she's not going to grow up with her dad. That's taken from her because of a murderous man. Liesl's killed. We never get to hear... These will lead us in another worship song again. In fact, for the next few months, every time we worship, we all cry because we can't think of help but think of our loss and miss that huge voice in a little body that always made us look at Jesus. Think about little Indy. Did you see little Indy this morning? NASA's starting the meeting. She has no sense of place. <laughs> this was little Indy this morning, running from here. She, I think she saw Andy, or at least Andy tried to get in the way of whoever she saw. And she went, <laughs> And then Andy stood in the way of wherever she was going and grabbed her. No, I'm kidding. She was running to you, right? <laughs> just joy, just delight, just love. Indy's taken out. We never see little Indy. We never have another little Indy hug. Because the murderous man took her life. I did tell you we were going to put hate on you for a second. A murderous man, a man of insurrection, took the lives of loved ones, potentially of leaders. Part of our group, a part of our people are lost, are gone. We are broken. We are having to put together plans. We are having to figure things out. Our hearts are broken. Our lives are disturbed. Life is not the same. And Barabbas standing there watching Jesus get tried. And none of us are worthy of standing in Jesus' place today. This man of innocence. This man of deep and profound beauty. Stands. Now, the scholars aren't too sure exactly on the language around our text. Because... Jesus is a very common name, and there's a chance these are the these are kind of this is what may be. It may be that the crowd yells at Jesus and calls him Barabbas. 
That's, that's one option. Is that they, call, they shout at Jesus and call him Barabbas. And they want, and they want Jesus killed and murdered. The, there's a more likely chance that Barabbas' name is also Jesus. So you have Jesus the Christ. And then you have Jesus Barabbas. So for those of you who don't know, Jesus isn't his God name. In the sense, you know, like, it's exclusive. I mean, just go to Mexico today. You'll meet Jesus everywhere. So that's the more likely is that they say, we don't want Jesus the Christ. Kill him. Give us, free us, liberate us, Jesus Barabbas. You take the man you call innocent. We want our murderer back. This is why I put all the hates on Nathan just for a second. Do you hear what they're asking for? Give us back the one who took Tilly, the one who took Liesel, the one who took Indy, the one who caused uproar and commotion, the one who brought broken, made our hearts broken and disturbed our society, the one who's dangerous to live next door, the one that we will always be watching our back when he's around. Give him, give him back to us. We'll take him. You crucify Jesus. It's insane. Thanks, Nate. <laughs> we do love you. And you are nothing. Well, hold on a second. Actually, you are. <laughs> what Luke is telling us is that we are all like Barabbas. Yeah. All of us are guilty. All of us have rejected God. All of us have been unkind to one another. All of us have had hatred in our hearts. All of us are in some way, shape, or form like Barabbas. As bad as Barabbas was, as, as guilty as he was for the crimes that he committed, all of us have done worse in our hearts and our minds and maybe also in our lives. We're Barabbas. And we join the crowd constantly saying, you know, free Barabbas, free us. We're okay. We're not that bad. We do not want to put on ourselves the guilt of our sin. And God has given us Jesus in our place. Pure, that even in a, in a wicked trial, they can't find, find guilt. It's one thing if they could find guilt when all the facts are there. They can't find guilt when things are lied about. That's next level purity. You can't even get a lie to stick on this man. Have you ever been lied about? I'll tell you what I hate the most about a lie. Is that it comes so close to what's actually true. It may not be true, but I'm actually disrupted by how close to being true it is. Jesus, the lie couldn't even stick. It's the furthest from the truth. You can't say anything evil for him that even comes in the neighborhood of truth. Because there's no evil in him. And Barabbas and Jesus switch places. And the wicked gets free and the innocent gets crucified. And the gospel happens right there. I want to picture it for you. Let me start with you, Nas. Would you mind coming forward? Nas, I know you. I live with you. So I'm comfortable to say this. But 
because of your faith in Jesus, you, like Barabbas, have been freed, and Jesus has taken your place, and his body and his blood have been broken for you to declare you are innocent. Don't take that yet, but will you just go sit down? Innocent. Jesus has taken your place. Adam, would you mind coming? Adam, because of your faith in Jesus, because you trust him, not because you are yourself a good man, you're probably a better man than I am, but neither of us are a good man. Jesus has taken your place, and like Barabbas, your place and his place have been traded. And you are declared innocent and free. Can you, do you mind sitting down and just holding those for a second? That's what Jesus said. Do this in remembrance of me. You need to remember what I've done for you every day that you can. Multiple times a day. I've taken your place. Jesus has no standards. People like you and me get in. And He gets what we deserve and we get what's His. His righteousness is placed on us and our unrighteousness is punished in Him on the cross. He delivered Jesus over to their will. I told you about a cosmic universal battle. It happens here and it looks like the devil wins. But what we find out, I'm going to spoil the ending, is that the whole time the devil has been playing into the hands of God. The whole time the devil has been like a slave achieving what God has designed. And what we can find in our lives is that even in the pain and the suffering, the whole time we can trust that actually God's sovereign will is not confused by this or surprised by this, but can be at work through this and in this. And we can say, God, I do not understand what is going on, but you are sovereign and you are good. And I see what you've done for me through Christ and how you've rescued me and brought me in, and I am one of yours. So I don't know what's happening in this life, but I know I can look up and out, and I can say that you are good, and I trust you. I don't understand my, my doubts. I don't understand my thoughts. I don't understand my feelings. I don't understand my circumstances. But I know this to be true. What's more understandable and simpler is that you are sovereign. You are good. You will see this through. And the Bible teaches us that what Jesus started, Jesus will finish. Not only does he have low standards where we all get in, he has to do all the work as well. It's not Jesus starts it off and then says, I think I've gone far enough like you would teach your children to make food. I've got all the ingredients out. I've weighed them all. I've put them all out there. I've done all the hard stuff. All you need to do is turn the oven on and put it in. I think you can finish this up. Jesus doesn't even do that to us. I've died on the cross for you. I've provided reconciliation. I've forgiven you of your sins. Now you could just do a little bit of holiness evidence, please. He doesn't even do that. He says, I will start it and I will finish it. Hold on. Watch me work in your life. Strap yourself in. This is going to be good. The roller coaster is not always fun. Have you seen those pictures? Some people are delighted. Some people are terrified. Some people are so scared, they knock out. They don't even remember the journey. And some of us will be like that in heaven. How was that, how was that earthly ride for you? I hardly remember it. I was oblivious of what was going on. Others of us will say, it was awesome. 
Did you see those times we had to cling on to God because that's all we had? We thought we were going to die. How fun was that? And others will turn. You thought that was fun? I, I, I didn't look out. I just was holding the strap for dear life. I forgot to look at anything. Yeah. Well, what he started, he will finish. Caleb and Haley, can you come down? Because of your faith in Jesus. This feels a little bit like a baptism almost. <laughs> Jesus swaps places with you. Pronounces His love for the two of you. He says you're freed, you're released. Every burden, every shame, every guilt. He gives us as a picture to remember Him by. To remember what He's done. And He says... Go back. He doesn't say go back to your seat. Just go on with your life knowing it is done. I'm going to leap off the edge here a little bit. I hope it's okay. Kevin and Amada, can I ask you to come? I know you're going through a tough time. I want to say we love you. But I want to say God loves you a heck of a lot more than anyone in this room. I know you're struggling. I just want to speak God's blessing over you to say all that you're going through, He understands. The suffering, the difficulty, the doubts, He understands. Don't have to hide the pain. Don't have to understand the pain. He gets it all and more. I don't think he says stop feeling. I don't think he says grow up. Rather, I think he comes alongside and says, see, I understand. I know. And at the right time, I will bring life again. At the right time, what was put to, to death will be raised to life but cling to me 